Welcome everybody to the Boiler Upload podcast. I am your host, Travis Miller of Boiler Upload. And with me tonight is Jace Jellison. How you doing, Jace? Doing well, Travis. Staying busy as always, you know. That's why I pay you the big bucks. That's why <laughs> I pay you the big bucks. And uh, joining us later tonight will be Casey Bartley. He is running a little bit late this evening. Uh, no, he did not take reindeer shuttle because he's not going to the airport. But one guy going to the airport is Miles Colvin, as he will be playing for Team USA Basketball over in Hungary in the U19 World Cup. So we're hoping that Reindeer Shuttle will just uh, give him a ride. I mean, I don't know if he has to pay. I don't know if it's an impermissible benefit if they just comp him. But uh, driving to the airport sucks. Hopefully they'll give him a nice ride up to O'Hare or down to Indianapolis International Airport. And speaking of rides and airports, it's a big time of year right now for visits for football, isn't it? Absolutely massive. Like the the last this past weekend and then this upcoming weekend, um, two of the busiest times, obviously of the summer, uh, just with everyone coming on campus and and the recruiting really picking up. Purdue's looking to fill out that twenty twenty four class. Um, so yeah, it's it's been absolutely massive. Um, two guys that won't be here during the weekend. They're actually going to be here during the week. Uh, one of them's already here, Keandre Henry, uh, which is really interesting guy because. When I talked to him back in April, he was extremely high on Purdue and Corey Patterson. Um, Took his official visit to Boston College, I believe, last week or the week before um, and committed while he was there. But now he's he's ended up in West Lafayette for an official visit. So I think it speaks to um, his relationship with Coach Patterson. And then, um, I mean, at the very least, he's entertaining the possibility of flipping. Uh, which has been kind of a, a common theme amongst visitors over the past few weeks um, or over the past week. And then um, obviously this coming weekend, but um, he's another, he would be a great compliment to Jesse Watson. Who's the other wide receiver commit. Um, Watson's a little bit shorter, faster, quicker, more of a gadget guy. Um, and then Henry's more of that big body, six, two, six, three, and go up and get it. Um, so it'd be a, a great compliment to him. Uh, and then the other guy that's, that's current or going to be on campus probably by the time people are listening to this on Tuesday. Um, Tavion Galloway is a four-star tight end from Ohio. And this is another interesting kind of revelation, I guess, for lack of a better word. He was committed to LSU for almost a year um, and then up and decided to yeah. decommit last week. And then everyone and their brother has been, has been going after this kid, uh, whether they've offered him or, or, giving him new offers. Um, he has gone, he has taken trips to UCF in West Virginia. And then obviously he's coming to Purdue this week and then Tennessee um, over the weekend. But some of the other schools that have at least reached out and been in contact with him are Alabama, Miami, Texas, Florida, and Arizona state. Um, I think this would, it's already gone a long way that coach Deggy and, and Graham Harrell gotten him on campus, but this would be massive for the 2024 class just with everything that's kind of gone on in the recruiting world at the tight end position. Obviously, Eric Carner was committed and, and the staff was really high on him and they started getting offers from the likes of Alabama and the SEC powers and the college football elites and um, decided to reopen his recruitment and, and decommitted back in April. Um, Timothy Lawson was supposed to be here this coming weekend. 
Uh, he ultimately committed to North Carolina. And then Willie Rodriguez, um, who's another tight end from, from Kentucky, his status is kind of uncertain in terms of if, if Purdue's kind of still in the running. I haven't heard anything new on that. So with all that uncertainty, getting a four-star tight end who you could say, hey, you're going to have an opportunity to come in right away. And potentially compete for for minutes. I don't I don't know if he if he'd burn his his uh, redshirt year, but I mean, he's still one of the t- one of the top tight ends still available on the board in the class of twenty twenty four. Um, so it it would be a, a big addition. Well, if he was with LSU, he probably watched that bowl game and was like, "Oh goodness, at least I know I can play early." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't I mean, know why that. It's, it's hard to bump. It's hard to bump. You know. Uh, that, yeah, but uh, I mean that's great. Anytime, and you get a tight end like that, you get a four-star wide receiver. They're going to have passes to catch in this offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hudson Card's going to be spreading the ball around. You got Marcus Davila looking pretty promising, and uh, you know I, I like what Graham Hill, Harrell's doing. Uh, you know, have you heard anything particular from the coaching staff about, you know, how things are going along with the offense and everything? So during not recently, but during spring ball, kind of the consensus was that the defense hadn't quite caught up to the offense yet. Now, obviously, they're they're both learning new systems. And I think Graham's might be a little easier to learn compared to Coach Walter's defense. Um, but I mean, with Hudson Card back there, as long as he stays healthy, uh, there's no reason to believe that that Purdue can't be in the up, at least in the upper half of the big 10 and scoring next year. Um, obviously like we've talked about on this podcast numerous times, offensive line <laughs> is going to be a massive question mark, but um, if Hudson Carr can, can move around the pocket and make plays with his legs, which, which he showed um, during spring ball, I think, I think Purdue's offense could surprise some people. Yeah, and I, I think I agree with you there because he does – I mean, he's got a lot of promise back there. It seems mm-hmm. like he has really embraced West Lafayette and the team has embraced him and everything. And I hate to bet so much on just one player, but that's kind of what you're doing right now. You don't have anybody else with any experience. Yeah, especially at the quarterback position. But I think Purdue's weapons are kind of slept on because you look at like Garrett Miller – who the staff raves about, the prior staff raved about. Um, a lot of people have talked about him potentially being an NFL draft pick just because of his physical traits. Um, he's coming back off an ACL, and then you got the consistent Paul Paferi behind him, uh, backing him up. And then I think I think the real sleeper this coming fall is going to be Jamal Edrin, um, the transfer wide receiver from FAU. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd have to look up the numbers off the top of my head. I know I've I think I've said it before on here, but um, that FAU offense wasn't really known for for throwing the ball around the yard, and he was still still racked up over 500 yards, um, six touchdowns. I mean, he did that with a with a subpar quarterback and a subpar offense. Now he steps into a Graham Harrell offense that's going to might throw the ball 60 percent of the time. Um, he's he's kind of creeped up on that number. Graham Harrell has. Um, over, over over the course of his career as an offensive coordinator, um, he's going to have plenty of opportunities, and and he did that last year as a redshirt freshman. I think he still has opportunity to grow. He's going to have more opportunities to catch balls in this offense. Um, I think he could potentially. I don't know if he'll have the same year as Charlie Jones. Obviously, that was that was surreal to watch last year, um, coming in as a 
basically a no name uh, to the casual fan and person onto the scene. <laughs> but I think he could. I think Adrian could reach a thousand yards this coming year. That's bold. That's bold. I mean, you did get at least a small look at him last year. He played in that game uh, for Florida Atlantic against Purdue. He only had one catch, but it was for it was a long play. It was I think thirty six yards. So. I mean, this is a guy that, like you said, he's put up some decent numbers, and that offense wasn't very explosive last year. But he's got some talent, and that's that's always good to see. And somebody, and you know, you got talent, you're going to find your way to the field. Yeah, most definitely, especially with. I mean, they're in this Purdue's in the same situation as they were last year. No clear number one. Um, last year was David Bell, and then to a lesser extent, um, Milton Wright departing who probably would have stepped into that number one role. Charlie Jones obviously filled, um, filled that void very nicely. Um, so I think it'll be up to Adrian or, or possibly even Dion Burks or TJ Sheffield to step up and, and try to be that number one guy. Yeah. And Sheffield's more of a slot guy. I don't know how much he's going to play on the outside either. Right. Yeah. He, he has, I think he can do both. I think he had to play more outside last year just out of necessity. Um, but I think he's so versatile that you could put him in kind of a gadget role. Um, I don't think that they're going to – that they'll confine him to that role the whole season. But um, you could still see Graham trying to get him some touches on sweeps and reverses and, and things like that. Sweet, sweet. And uh, so how – you know, shifting gears a little bit, how did the visits this past weekend go? Uh, what have you heard there? Yeah, uh, the guys that I've talked to, um, obviously they step on campus and they get to have breakfast in an, an aircraft hangar uh, with a couple of <laughs> with a couple of planes <laughs> sitting right there, uh, which was really cool for them. Um, the guy that the guy that I think that Purdue fans will want to keep an eye on, especially over the next week or so, is Caleb Mitchell Irvin. Um, just talking to him, his, mm-hmm. he's down to his final three schools, and I think Purdue's in a really good spot to land him. And 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 he's been a guy from it feels like day one since Brick Haley got here. That's that's one of the main guys he's been after. Um, so I think that I think that looks promising. And then Shamar Rigby, um, I think he walked away impressed as well. He's a three star wide receiver from St. Petersburg, um, another big body guy, kind of like Keonda Henry. Um, he's I, I don't think he's as close to committing uh, to any school um, or making a decision. I think he'll let it kind of play out for a little while before making a decision. But um, I could be proved wrong here. You never know. Uh, but he's a, he'll be another guy to watch. <laughs> High school kids being fickle with decisions about their futures. I, that's just so unusual. <laughs> there was one. There was one kid. I won't say his name, but there's one kid. He. He announced that he was going to commit in August, moved it up to 4th of July, and then just committed like two weeks ago. Didn't commit to Purdue, but uh, it just (laughs) – you got guys flipping and flopping all the time. So nothing's ever really as it seems like Purdue – like Eric Carter. I thought Purdue got him at a great time right before his recruitment blew up. Then he gets offered by Bama and then South Carolina and A&M and – so on and so forth, and then um, he wanted to explore other options. So um, it's it's a very fluid game, the the recruiting aspect of things. 
Yeah, and especially when in this day and age, nobody is locked in until they sign an mm-hmm. NIL. And even then, uh, <laughs> even then that can change. Yeah, I, mean, I guess it'd be that- NLI. NIL's money, NLI yeah. is National Letter of Intent. There's too many acronyms, damn it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I call it Letter of Intent, personally, just because I don't get confused. Yeah. I mean, you saw that with like uh, Kendrick Gilbert from uh, Cathedral, the four-star defensive tackle. He stayed. He stayed on his Purdue commitment for a long time, even though um, kind of the consensus was that it was down to Purdue and Kentucky after the coaching change. So, um, but yeah, like you mentioned, it's things are never as they seem. Everything can change of a blink of an eye. And now that you have the early signing period, if you've got a guy that doesn't sign during the early signing period, he can hold off till February and everything else. So. I just, I'm glad I don't have to go through this because one, I'm old, and two, I sucked at football. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what other notes have you got? Anything? Anything uh, really good right now? Yeah, I did want to talk about Marcos Davila, who you kind of mentioned earlier. Obviously, the four-star quarterback that. Oh yeah, that Purdue guy in the class of 2024. He's turned into an extension of the coaching staff to an extent. Over these last few weeks, it's become Ooh. very prevalent. Um, he was in West Lafayette for the final spring practice, uh, recruiting guys there. Came up this past weekend. His official is scheduled for next weekend. He came up this past weekend to help recruit guys. Um, a couple of Texas guys were there, and then Shamar Rigby. Um, I mean, he's been super active in in the recruiting game, trying to help out the Purdue coaches. Um, it, it, it's been it's been pretty cool to to look at just um, from the outside looking in um, his willingness to go out. And obviously it's going to help him if, if he can get better targets and, and so on and so forth. But um, it, it is really intriguing to see a guy that's so bought in already as a high school junior. He's so bought into to trying to get some of his guys up there. Right. And like you said, is of course he wants those targets. He wants good guys to throw to. He wants a solid running back to take the pressure off of him. He wants uh, an offensive line that's going to keep him vertical. So mm-hmm. that makes perfect sense. But you want to see that kind of leadership out of your quarterback early on, especially if he's going to end up being the guy. I mean, potentially he could be the starter next year if you think about it. Potentially. I, I think Purdue would probably go uh, transfer portal route again because there's going to be those – one to two year guys every year that uh, search for greener pastures, whether that they're a group of five uh, quarterback that, that wants to go play power five ball or someone like Hudson card, who was stuck behind uh, Quinn Ewers and, and Casey Thompson. And, and he just left because he didn't get the opportunity down at Texas. So I think, I think the best case scenario in Purdue's mind is Hudson card stays two years um, has a lot of success, and then Marcos Davila can come in and compete for that job as a retro freshman in 25. Well, especially since now with the new redshirt rules, he could play you know a couple of games and get his feet wet while holding on to his redshirt too. I mean that that's invaluable, really, at this point. Yeah, most definitely. And you saw- now have you? No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, I was I was just going to say, if you've talked with Kyle much, kind of like where we are on the scholarship grid, about how many open spots we have. I know, you know, talk about things being in flux. That is definitely one that is all over the map at all times. 
Yeah, I think they just filled it up. I could be wrong. I'll have to check with Kyle, but I believe they did just fill it up. With Jaden, the final one was Jaden Dixon feel, um, a wide receiver who Juco guy um, committed to Oregon State and then flipped to Purdue here at the last second. Yeah, that was a surprise. I mean, he, he flipped almost immediately after committing to Oregon State. Yeah, and I think Corey Patterson and I think Coach Walters was in on it too. Um, after Corey Gamage, that whole saga played out and he kind of just up and left and went to UCF. Uh, Purdue was trying to get another veteran guy in there um, that they could potentially see contribute next season. And um, Dixon Field just happened to be that guy. Hey, I mean, that's a good pickup. Sounds like he's somebody who can come in and play immediately, especially if he's a Juco guy. Mm-hmm. And he his tape was weird because he didn't get too many opportunities. They threw the, his Juco through the ball, like, I believe it was 37% of the time, which was which would have only beat the service academies last year in terms of pass play percentage. Um, so it was like below Minnesota. Like they were would have been fourth to last or fifth to last in all of FBS last year with that percentage. So <laughs> he wasn't getting a whole lot of opportunities to kind of showcase his skills. Um, but he could be a, he could be a guy that comes in and um, and fills a role and, and does some good things for him. You know, as a sidebar, that is one of the more fascinating aspects of college football when you have 130 teams is you can have just such wild extremes of mm-hmm. style of play. You can have a uh, Mike Leach, Washington State, they're going to throw the ball 75 times. And then you could have Navy, they may not throw the ball 75 times the entire season. They may not throw the ball half that the entire season. And both can be successful. That's what's so amazing mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, that's the beauty of college football. It's it, it it's a weird sport that it just has so many layers. And it, I mean, like like you mentioned, you can uh, go with the pirate offense, or or you can go with um, <laughs> that navy offense, which is kind of archaic, but um, they've had success with it. Hey, it works. So <laughs> you're from Noblesville. They're running that offense now. <laughs> Don't get me started. Hey, I'm from I'm from Kokomo. That works, man. We're great with it. (laughs) I don't don't want to. Well, uh, (laughs) uh, I saw another interesting tidbit you had today. You said that uh, uh, Porath, the kicker, has now officially been offered Mm. a scholarship. Is that correct? Yep, and he. I mean, he came to Purdue. I, I think we talked about it into Purdue on June 3rd and that was his objective and he was talking to coach Petrelli for a long time um, about potentially getting that offer and it finally came tonight um, I think Purdue's obviously now in the lead just because that's this is his only full ride scholarship now so I mean I don't I don't know how close he is to making a decision per se um, but Purdue's by far and away the leader in the clubhouse so uh, that'll be another name to watch over the next probably week or two. Sweet. Well, and with that, we can uh, officially switch gears to basketball, mostly because we don't have to filibuster anymore with Casey here. 
<laughs> well, we we were waiting for you, man, and uh, we were just talk- we had plenty to talk about recruiting wise, but we know people want to know basketball. Uh, practice started this week. What have you heard from Coach Painter and company? Yeah, I mean, it's I don't think it's anything unexpected. Um, I think the one big takeaway is that their number one goal is there is one guy right now that's on campus that's unfamiliar with the system. And that's Lance Jones. Uh, A good portion of practice was just spent defensively teaching them or teaching him their principles. Um, You know, every team kind of has their own shtick, where to help, where to go. And a lot of that was just walking practice was walking him through that talking it out, explaining why, getting him up to speed. Painter wants to play a lot this summer. With the Europe games coming up, he wants to get them in games, real-life action. For a lot of these guys, everyone else besides him and Miles Colvin, obviously Colvin will not be joining the team for a few weeks as he's with the U19 team. Um, But, yeah, they're just trying to get Lance Jones up to speed. And it's unique that this team can spend that much time on him because everyone else there right now has already went through practices. They already know the schemes. So I expect this to be a fast process because not only is painter focusing on it, all those other guys there, Ethan Morton, Edie Gillis, they've all done this. They can talk Lance Jones through it. Jones is an experienced player. So once he kind of learns those new habits, uh, I was talking to Gillis about, leading the team and the difference between like him and Colvin and how he deals with it just, and it's just teaching him new habits. So get rid of the old ones. And this is how we do it here. And that was a lot of the focus of the first practice. Yeah. And like you said, he's an experienced player. This isn't going to be, it's not like bringing in a freshman that, you know, has never played college basketball before. This is what his fifth year. Uh, He obviously had a lot of success at Southern Illinois so he should pick things up quickly. And you're also not asking him to be an immediate starter either. No, um, it's, it's pretty much, I mean, offense is obviously a thing, but right now I think Purdue is okay getting through those pains. I think that's a little more read and react. It's a little easier to get out there defensively. You have to have all five guys on a string. Um, and the reason that Lance Jones was brought in is because he was a two-time all-defensive team at Southern Illinois. And Painter just needs him ready so they all five can play in the same way. No big breakdowns. Good for Purdue. A great timing because they'll get the 10 practices. Um, and then they get to go play in Europe against real teams, against guys that uh, that Painter won't know that, Purdue teams won't know. So they're going to get a test early. They're going to get a, get to see how it works in a live, like a live situation. And that, that'll be great for him. It'll be great for Colvin. So I, I think it's, you know, COVID pushed this trip back and it really couldn't happen at a better time because this is a potentially special team and they will get extra reps against grown men across the country. And that's, that will be very useful going into the season. Now, this is really the first time everybody's together since uh, since March. What was the general vibe around there? Kind of obviously, there's unfinished business is going to be what they're talking about all season. But what was the vibe? How focused was everybody? Yeah, I mean, I I spent the first part of after practice talking to Mason Gillis, and he made no qualms about it. There's one thing he hasn't done. There's one one goal for this team: win the national championship. 
They're not talking about the final four. They're not talking about winning a first round game. They, there's no hoping to challenge for the national championship like last year, where it kind of just sounded like a young team being like, of course we have to say it. He said, that is the one goal. That is the end goal. Win the title, carry the trophy. Um, talking to Braden and Fletcher, it's interesting how much the people around Zach Eady are playing down his return. Uh, Matt Painter's quote was, look, you guys all wanted him back. Obviously, you're fans. We want what's best for him. We would have been okay if he went to the NBA because he would have went there for good reasons. And you talked to Braden and Fletcher and Mason, and they were like, we all knew he was coming back. Obviously, it's easier to say that after the fact. <laughs> but I I think now there is a, a business-like sense that he's back. We're here. None of this is unexpected anymore. We've seen it. Um, Fletcher, my, one of my favorite quotes from practice is he said, I didn't come to college to play on an unranked team. They welcome this top billing. They welcome being a favorite and they want to go out and get the chip. And they're going to get challenged in that non-conference schedule too. That, uh, that Arizona game in Indy is going to be a good one. And obviously they've got Xavier coming to West Lafayette. That's not going to be, you know, that's not a layup by any stretch of the imagination. Maui's going to be incredible, man. I am uh, Maui Wowie. I, I I may have to pull rank on that one and see if I can go out and just business expensive because that is going to be one hell of a tournament. I mean, I've already booked my stuff. So. <laughs> I don't blame you, man. I don't blame you. You're welcome to come out to the Big Island too, <laughs> man. But uh, you know, shifting gears a little bit, what do you think about Colvin here getting the U19? I think that's tremendous experience, and as we've seen with. Caleb Swanigan with Travion Williams with Carson Edwards. I mean, just getting to play in this Jaden Ivy, of course, Zach Eady, Caleb first, Caleb first. I mean, just huge, huge, especially before he gets on campus. Right. Yeah. Um, I could argue that as for Purdue, it probably doesn't help as much as having him on campus for two or three weeks. I think it's good competition. Absolutely. I think it's good to see other coaches. Uh, I I think there's merit to that. I don't think it's a bad thing um, playing those games, but he's also a true freshman. Uh, And I worry a little bit about putting on miles at the U19 and then coming back, trying to quickly learn. He's going to lose two to three weeks of practice and prep time at Purdue. And then they're going to go to Europe and he's going to play more. I think last year we saw Fletcher Lawyer lawyer and uh, Braden Smith's body break down a little bit towards the end of the season. Now, is Miles Colvin going to be asked to play 30 minutes a night? Probably not. Is Miles Colvin a different kind of athlete? Absolutely. I think his body is pretty close to Big Ten ready already. He's he's not a skinny 6'5". No. <laughs> he's got a strong base. Uh, I think physicality should not really be an issue. That said... It's good for us. It's nice to see him go out there and play. I expect him to play well. That is a semi-unstructured event where athletes and guards who like the ball thrive. At the same time, Miles Colvin disappeared a little bit in the Indiana-Kentucky All-Stars at times. He's not someone who I think he needs a little foundation and a little bit of getting him good looks a little more than you think when you when you add up the way that he does play when he does well. But it, it'll be interesting. Um, 
it's a cool experience. You're never going to fault a kid for doing it. I, I wonder personally if, you know, three weeks at Purdue wouldn't be better just in terms of the team and long-term, but at the end of the day, you catch up with those weeks. Right. You got to hope. You can trade him for Cannon catching so that Cannon go in his place. I mean, <laughs> we got a whole year to get Cannon involved. So, right. <laughs> and, you know, what else have you heard at practice? You know, what, what was Painter saying? Just kind of his first look at this team. Yeah. Um, I think one thing we have to caution ourselves about is he's talked about making like slight changes, obviously. And obviously things need to change a little bit offensively, but it's not going to be a 40 minute right away. Everything just looks different for long stretches of the year for long stretches and games. Just getting the ball down low to Edie is a better offense than anyone else has in the country. The trick is being able to add enough with the other pieces, with the athleticism, with those guards getting more experience that when that's taken away or when we need or when they need to go to a plan B, they have it. So I don't think we're going to see as much of a full cell change right away. I think a lot of it will be adding wrinkles here and there, being a little more. He Painter talked a lot about his team just lost confidence at the end of the year, the last 12 games, it just kind of went away a little bit offensively. Uh So what can he do? What kind of things can you add to the playbook or the style of play to keep that confidence going? Cause I don't, I think that's the biggest thing. It's not getting the ball into Edie is a great offense. It can also be a crutch at times. And I think we saw that with Purdue in the tournament when that was taken away, there wasn't anything else Purdue looked confident at doing. Right. Which wasn't what we saw in Portland. No. It wasn't what we saw early in the season. So I think it's just figuring out ways to keep those things unlocked and engaged all season. It's not going to be a full cell change, but little bits and pieces. Braden and Fletcher both, I mean, obviously physically trying to hold up more so their jump shots can stay, so they can get to the rim a little better, so that athleticism around them, that they can use it a little more. So I think it will be more subtle than we think. But if it does, what we'll see is the Portland offense carrying throughout familiar teams in the Big Ten. Yeah, and you you make a very good point. That Portland team was very different than than what showed up in the tournament. And I think I I think you could see it both as an insider and you know see it as an outsider. That team just they were panicking there in the second half, honestly, against Fairleigh Dickinson. I mean. How many possessions did they have where you had almost everybody in the team was afraid to shoot the basketball? And like you said, they didn't have a plan B when Edie was taken away. And how much of that is when you play basketball and you're not 100% where you are used to being physically, it's really hard. You're not going to be comfortable with the ball in your hand if you're a Fletcher lawyer and you have two sprained calf or two strained calves, which is he was playing with at the end of the season. Braden Smith took a beating all year. If you just, if you don't have a hundred percent in you, it can be hard to feel confident because what you're used to being able to do, you can't even do. Um, But then yeah, more offensive variants, more things that you can get to. I think Lance Jones is quicker than even I anticipated. Very quick. Um, I think that'll help a lot. Miles will help a lot. Is he an upgrade over Jenkins? Um, I think David Jenkins, everything that he did really well on a basketball court 
Purdue didn't really need from him a whole bunch because mm-hmm. he's a scorer. He's a guy with the ball in his hand. He can he can do a lot of things. When you have Zach Eady and you have another point guard out there, you what Purdue really needed was you know another really quick body and a playmaker. And I think Lance Jones has a little bit more of that. I think he fits in a little cleaner. He's defensive specialist. He's got a, he reads the floor pretty well. He's quick. Um, he's aggressive getting to the hoop. I think those are all a little more natural for him to do and things he's used to doing that David Jenkins tried to have to learn to do a little bit after, you know, six years of playing one way. So I think the fit is a little cleaner. Casey, you you continue to do the impossible, and you're <laughs> getting me excited again. And uh, that is, man, as mopey as I've been since March, you're starting to you're starting to turn things around. And now I've just gone to the well. Surely they can't lose to a 16 seed again. <laughs> yeah, I I mean I think it's I think it's really important to remember for 18 games, this team was really really fun. Mm-hmm. And not just result-wise, like watching what they did in Portland, watching the way Braden operated in offense for a while. Fletcher was a madman that first half of the season off off ball. Uh, that game in Nebraska was great. Um, those flashes just went away, whether it's confidence, whether it's phys- physical, whatever. They flashed in a way that's very encouraging. You just need to get back to. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's confidence in anything that you can – give as a coach, I would think Matt Vander's going to tell them you, you guys already did it. You've already shown that you can be that um, number one team for seven weeks. One, what 20 games to start the season. Like this team shouldn't lack confidence because they've already proven they can do it. Uh, they took down Duke. They took down Gonzaga back to back nights. I, I don't uh, every, everything you could want to inspire a team's already there. They had the success, and then they had the big failure at the end. So if those two things can't spark you, then this team's just not going to be it. But, like, it was a freshman-laden team with guards, and now you add even more talent, a little more athleticism, and I think a cleaner fit off the bench. And a hungrier team, I think. And we've talked about some other things. Trey stepping up. Caleb's going to get better. Mason's going to get better. There's a lot of talent on their team, and it's hard to look around the landscape of college basketball and say any team right now is just neck and shoulders above them. And it's the, to me, one of the hardest things is finding minutes for all these guys. You know, Edie's going to yeah. take up so many. You know, Smith and Lawyer are going to take up so many. I mean, he only can play five guys at a time, really. <laughs> I, I do think a little final point on how Painter is going to change things. I would be shocked if Purdue doesn't embrace a, a little more physicality on defense, a little more make the refs call something. At the same time, he hates giving up free throws. So that's a thing. But you don't have to really worry about foul trouble with this aggressive of a team. You have a little more athleticism and length on the wing. You can get into people a little more. You don't get Lance Jones on your team unless that's the identity you want. And whether one person's enough to change that, or if it is a whole mindset as a team, that'll be interesting to watch. And those Europe games, they're going to be against teams that don't have nearly enough talent, but those are going to be grown men. Hmm. They're going to have to learn to be physical. And that would be a good lesson to take into the season. 
Absolutely, because you know you know everybody's going to try and do what Fairleigh Dickinson and Indiana and everybody else did is try and you know swarm eighty, dare him to call fouls, try and take it away as best you can, and dare Purdue to hit threes. I mean, it is what it is what worked last year when Purdue lost basketball games, and I, this team is not that far off. Like you said, I mean, they don't need that much of a change. No, it. It will be one of Painter's toughest jobs just because he has such an embarrassment of riches. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, you're getting me back in it. I can't mm-hmm. help it. I mean, you hmm. – anyway, so do you have any final thoughts here before we leave, Casey, or no? Um, we have a little bit of uh, recruitment news. Uh, Trent Burns will be on campus tomorrow. He is a seven-foot – too skinny, but pretty skilled big man, seven foot two, seven foot three, um, out of Houston. Interesting player as a developed a lot of skill in the last about year. Um, moves pretty well, has a good jump shot. Uh, so that'll be that'll be another 2024 potential recruit. And I think we've already talked about how 2024 is setting up to potentially be another one of painters monster classes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The only difference is he's putting that on top of what should be an already pretty loaded squad. Yeah. (laughs) So it's good to see those creep together. This, this would be a backbone true freshman uh, class that the really good ones will play right away. The other ones might try to redshirt, but that's the going forward future that actually gets to match up with the present. Ooh. Exciting. Jace, do you have any final thoughts before we head out? Yeah, I'm also going to touch on recruiting. Um, I think Purdue Purdue football, I should say, had done a really good job of <laughs> setting the foundation for this class. They got one four-star right now. I think they end up with three in the class of 2024. Ooh, calling your shot. I like it. I like that a lot. All righty. Well, we do thank you for listening here. It's been uh, been a lot of fun doing this uh, over the summer. And like uh, Casey said, we still have some summer basketball over in Europe to watch. We have all kinds of recruiting news. And before long, we'll actually be at Big Ten football media days asking or listening to how excited everybody is to be getting started, because that is the role that everybody has at Big Ten Media Days, is they're excited to be there and excited to get the season started. So we're excited to provide that to you. And with that, uh, for Casey, for Jace, I am Travis Miller of Boiler Upload, and we thank you for listening to Boiler Up. 